Well, I found it a little shocking to hear Mike read that from the pulpit. (laughs) And I've been reading it, like, a lot in the past couple of weeks. This text uh, about who is over whom and women covering their heads as a symbol of authority has been a text that I have mostly, for my own convenience, ignored for my whole life. Or I've glossed over it as irrelevant. What Paul has to say about women covering their heads when they pray or prophesy, he says this, and this is in the NRSV translation, verse 10. Women should have a symbol of authority on their head. And some translations read veil or covering to make really sure we understand. And that verse 10, verse 10, that statement is literally at the center of Paul's argument about women and men and God and Christ and heads and nature and creation and this whole cyclical thing. It's a lot. And it's somewhat confounding or a little bit confusing for a couple of reasons. First, because the literal Greek translation is actually a woman should have authority on her head. And the footnotes in the NRSV, which Mike read, basically change the entire meaning of what he just said. It could also read, for this reason, a woman should have authority, that is, freedom of choice, over her own head. So which is it? Should a woman have a symbol of authority, or should she have freedom of choice over her own head? It is additionally puzzling, this particular verse, because the entire verse reads... For this reason, a woman should have authority on her head because of the angels. (laughs) What do angels have to do with it? Paul does not feel the need to explain. So I say this one verse is, verse 10, is literally the center of the argument because it is placed in the middle of this rhetorical device that Paul uses one that is totally out of use today, but which is extremely common in the Bible, and I think in the ancient world, called a chiasm. And ancient readers would have heard it right away. Paul's, Paul's listeners, or the listeners to this letter, they would, have, they would have just caught on just like that. It's called a chiasm. So chi is like the Greek letter X, and it uses parallel statements before and after the center, the middle of that X, which is the key argument. So it's like it's pointing right, like everything's pointing right at that statement and what he's arguing. So this all-important argument, as is often the case in reading the Bible, lost in translation. Should women wear a covering over the, on their head as a symbol of authority, or should they decide for themselves? Reading the Bible in a different language and a different culture and at a vastly different era is so frustrating. It is a good thing I like a puzzle. For much of Anabaptism and for, for the Mennonite church, which originated in Europe, verses 3 to 8 around uh, that the beginning of the, of, the chap, of the text have been the most important and also, frankly, the easiest to understand. Man is the head of a woman... Christ is the head of man. Women should pray and prophesy with their heads covered. 
Uh, and men should keep their heads uncovered. Well done, Lauren. <laughs> it was even codified into Mennonite church law insofar as we had laws. It was in the, So the 1963 Confession of Faith for the Mennonite church, this is a denomination that predates the one that we have, the New Testament, uh, it's, it reads like this. The New Testament symbols of man's headship are to be his short hair and uncovered head while praying or prophesying. And the symbols of a woman's role are her long hair and her veiled head. The acceptance by both men and women of the order of creation in no way limits their rightful freedom, but rather ensures their finding respective roles in which they can most fruitfully and happily serve with clear implications that women are subordinate to men, and this is under the heading Symbols of Christian Order. Be sure I will provide the link when my sermon is posted. It wasn't just a preference or choice, it was a rule. A few women among us will remember the cap or prayer bonnet as a rule of their own experience and in their own congregations. Or, or if not themselves, for elder relatives, aunts and mothers. And it is still a rule that is in place for many Anabaptist communities, like the Amish and the Hutterites, who many of us saw at uh, the Mennonite Country Auction yesterday. Uh, so, and so many more denominations that I don't know the names of. So Paul begins and ends this part of the letter, the widest part of the X. Not with rules, though, but with custom, with tradition. He thanks the Corinthians for maintaining the traditions that he handed down to them, and then restates at the end that the custom in the other churches is men have their heads uncovered, women have their heads covered. So the way I, the way I read this, this X argument of Paul's is there's the parentheses. Which way do I go? It's an X. Biggest is at the top and bottom. Great job following our traditions and customs. That is, the long hair, the, co- the long hair and covered for women, short for dudes. Keep it up. He's encouraging them. This is the tradition that we have. And then is smaller down, or inside that, his take on what is in nature or creation, the created order given to us by God in Genesis 2. Women, woman comes from man, but in parallel, man is born of women, and both come from God. And judge for yourself, what does nature teach us? But then the center, as I said, women should have authority on their heads, and that's the confusing part. And this is not an argumentative style that really makes sense to me at all, but it worked for Paul, and it worked for the Corinthians. And in fact, there is a lot about Paul's argument that makes no sense to me. I'm sure that is the case for you. I heard the laughing when Mike was reading. It feels completely irrelevant which is why I've ignored this text for so long, and even false, like straight-up false. We know there is no nature that says women have to have long hair to glorify God or that men cannot have long hair. And I am, in fact, curious who is dishonoring their heads right now. I'm looking around. Men, for the most part, You're doing great. (laughs) Andrew, we're going to fix that this afternoon. (laughs) Women, 
Sarah, way to represent. Uh, I look around and I see who among us has short or even shaved hair, women. There are a few. Megan told me that she's had her head shaved. Uh, I know she's not the only one. We would be a curious crew to the Corinthians and to Paul. We look at the Genesis story, the stories of creation, of humanity as God's goodness embodied in both male and female and I would say now in the, in the fullness of the way that we talk about gender and the angels, still nothing. No one knows what Paul is talking about. This is one of those things the Corinthians would know. The Bibles, like I read a number of translations, and Bibles even translate this of various ways because they don't know what to do with it. Uh, the message version leaves out the angels entirely. Eugene Peterson just does not even see the need. But to the Corinthians, they would have understood Paul, both the style and the content. They would have said, oh, the angels, of course. We don't, because we don't inhabit Corinth in that time and place and culture, so we don't know what's important or significant about the angels. Like, are they watchdogs, or are they overseers, or are they tally keepers, or are they tempted by women whose heads are uncovered? (laughs) And likewise, the argument about nature and this hierarchical, shame-oriented system of behavior and habit that would have been very meaningful to Corinthians where... One's behavior reflected on one's patron or father or family. This is a culture in which shameful behavior was not about individual implications, but was shaming also for the whole family, for one's whole church, even. And it's a time, and and this is a, I think when I thought back on sort of Mennonite culture, Catholics think they have the corner on shame and shaming. Our forebears. Do you think you have the corner on shame, you former Catholics? Maybe not. Our for our forebears, shame and how behavior reflects on one's church or family or community. Those are very important social dynamics. Cultural, social dynamics. Last week, Michael Bade stood here and talked about how uh, culture is affected, has affected how truth-telling and courage in confrontation are received very differently in Cambodia versus here. He, count, he was counseled, you better move rather than tell your friend a hard truth that might offend him. So he was counseled, he better move rather than tell his landlord that his son might be stealing Michael's gas. Or he may be able to say something like sort of in a roundabout indirect way, but no confrontation, no conversation. And ultimately Michael found a different solution that avoided any conversation whatsoever. So what we might see as truth-telling, loving truth, as sort of in our Christian contemporary context... And even, this is how we follow the rule of Christ in Matthew 18. In the context in Cambodia where Michael was serving, 
A direct conversation about a problem like that would have been completely shameful and humiliating and the end of a relationship that was valuable to him. And I heard Melanie and Jonathan this week talk about in their Fijian village where they stayed with our friend Nico that any kind of head covering at all would have been shameful in the village where they were staying. Any kind of head covering. Even if it might cause a sunburn to be not wearing a hat, you could not cover your head because that was a sign of disrespect to the community. A community which largely revolved around the church. Culturally inappropriate in that context. So I wonder, I would wonder very much how they would receive this text about covering one's head. In Corinth, women are preaching and prophesying. In that church, women are preaching and prophesying. And that in itself says something about the place that women had in that context. It was women in the early church who are missionaries and teachers partnered with men. Paul acknowledges that in Christ, man is not independent from woman, nor woman independent from man, and that all things come from God. Judge for yourselves, he says. I mean, I think he was saying that kind of rhetorically, but judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray with her head unveiled? So I wonder what Paul, as a missionary to us, might make of us and our culture. I have been serving on our conference's pastoral leadership team uh, for the past several months. I just started a term. We've met several times, and we are the body that has been charged with conveying and holding the credentials of pastors and of reviewing the credentials of pastors when someone... in our midst, someone like Pastor Megan, does something like officiate a same-sex wedding ceremony, which is still outside the cultural norm and practice of the Mennonite Church. One of the things that we've held in our midst as we've discerned what a process might look like is a statement adopted by our conference executive board a couple years ago, which says in part, With the spirit of forbearance, grace, and trust, PNMC is committed to remaining a member of of, member conference of MCUSA and supporting all our congregations as they individually find ways to be authentic witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they are. Authentic witnesses to Jesus Christ wherever they are. This statement was written specifically about how we affirm and bless queer folks in relationships with each other. And we are being an authentic witness to Jesus Christ, who is calling and blessing and affirming folks in their whole selves. And I am being an authentic witness to Jesus Christ in standing before you, prophesying, with my hair short and my head uncovered. It's even shaved in the back. 
because our whole denomination has discerned, thanks be to God, that women are called equally with men to ministry in preaching and in teaching. Authentic witness. People of God. Long hair, short hair, covered, uncovered. By all means, be culturally sensitive. And may we be authentic witnesses to Jesus Christ. In all our hairy glory. Amen.